Today's readings taken from Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this household than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called to her household servants. Look, she said to them, This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's masters took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rebecca. If you can keep your Bibles open to Genesis 39. Uh, we're going to go back to this series that we didn't quite finish last time. Uh, we had to interrupt our series to go to uh, the, gospel, uh, the Gospel Changes series, uh, but we'll go, go back to uh, Genesis and Jacob Joseph's story. Uh, let's pray that God will speak to us this morning through this text. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for your living word, and we pray that you will make these words come alive and speak to us that we may be shaped into people who would bring praise and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Um, as you know, my family moved to the U.S. Uh, when I was quite young, um, when I was an early teenager. Uh, when, my, when we did, my dad would tell me, as we were going, my dad would tell me, son, you have to work twice as hard as everybody else um, because the playing field is not equal. People will see you differently. Uh, you will just have to work as, uh, harder than everybody else to sort of stand out and get a fair consideration. Well, that wasn't an easy thing to hear as a teenager. But think about what Joseph would have felt. Um, he went into Egypt. I mean, I had at least my family with me. My dad was a pastor. I lived in a comfortable house. But when Joseph was, uh, arrived in Egypt, he arrived. Uh, he was sold by his own brothers. He was all alone in that place. Uh, he arrived in Egypt as, with sort of the lowest status as a foreign slave. I wonder whether he felt like he had to work harder than everybody else to get the fair consideration or whatever, whether he felt discriminated. We're not told how Joseph felt, but we are told of the result. We actually, we're told of this meteoric rise from rags to riches kind of story. The Bible leaves no room for misunderstanding of why that success happened, though, right? It's there in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. God was with him, so everything that he did, he prospered. Verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his uh, attendant. He quickly became the right-hand man for his boss, Potiphar. He effectively ran the military, Egyptian military, because the, the, the Potiphar's guard is that all by himself, so that his boss, all that he had to worry about day to day is what he would eat that day. So Joseph became this great assistant that, I mean, I would love to have here. But what's surprising about this whole thing is actually that blessing on Joseph spilled over to this foreigner's house. Right? Look at what God does in verse 5. The Lord blessed the household of, of, of the Egyptian because of Joseph. I mean, it emphasizes the fact that he's an Egyptian. Household of Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. Not, was, not only was Joseph blessed, but Yahweh God blessed Potiphar's house, household. Maybe the relationship within the servants got better in the house. Maybe the food got better. I don't know. The management just got better in that household. And not only that, Yahweh blessed Potiphar's um, field as well, which meant that Potiphar made more money because of it, right? He became a richer person for having Joseph in, in, in the staff. You know, we talk all, the Genesis, the book of Genesis talked a lot about the blessings. Uh, after the 13, uh, after uh, the curses in Genesis 3 to 11, there are uh, talks of a lot of curses in 3 to 11. But God chose Abraham and makes his covenant blessing. And that's the origin of blessing talk in Genesis, right? God chooses Abraham, and this is what he says. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your, your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise that God made to Abraham. But if you think about that, Abraham's, uh, in Abraham's lifetime, that promise didn't come true. Abraham never became that sort of nation, never became that sort of name, never became that sort of blessing for other people. 
His son Isaac didn't become that source of blessing for other people either. Jacob, Abraham, Abraham's grandson. Actually, do you remember the story of how Jacob wrestled? I mean, he wrestled God for this blessing. He tricks his brother to get this blessing. But he was maybe blessed himself, but he never became that source of blessing for other people. What we see in Joseph is this promise coming true. Coming true. Joseph didn't become a great nation yet, but he will. His, family's na- his family will become great. Um, but his name is becoming known. God blessed him, therefore other people are blessed through him. Potiphar's household and his field later on, that blessing will extend not only to Potiphar's house, but actually the whole nation of Egypt. Egypt will be saved because of Joseph. And not only that, through that, many other nations will be saved. Many other nations will be blessed through Joseph and Joseph's work. He'll be an agent of saving many, many people around the world. God's promise to Abraham is becoming true. Whoever blesses you, will be blessed. And there is a surprising thing about this, too. Dick Lucas of St. Helens in London points out how surprising that Joseph is chosen. Because, Lucas says in his sermon on Genesis 39, he says, supposing you went to a Christian book table and saw a biography with the title, "Man, The Man That God Uses, you would immediately think that it was a story of a preacher or a missionary. The church has led us to believe that anyone who could claim that title would be a specialist in spiritual work. But instead, here in Joseph, we, we, we have a businessman, not a preacher, not a missionary, not somebody who's leading the Bible study, not distributing tra- tracts, but a businessman. That is the surprising thing about Joseph, right? Because he, as a worker, as a businessman, is the, becomes the agent for blessing other people. As a civil servant later on, that he becomes an agent of blessing other people. Joseph looked more like you than he looks like me. He was a businessman, a worker. God uses the, the people that God uses are not only people like me, but... Uh, the, uh, teachers and doctors and computer programmers and domestic helpers and uh, finance people, businessmen, accountants and lawyers. And in fact, it's almost written in the definition of blessing itself. When God told Abraham that he would be a blessing to many, many people, it wasn't just about the spiritual blessing there. Actually, it wasn't about that because. Once again, the, the context is Genesis 3 to 11 and how the world had fallen. And yes, that had a great spiritual element to it, but it also had all the ways that the curse of God, the, the curses and, and the, the fallenness of the world, it was about that. And, and, and when God calls Abraham, he's saying that he will, rever- he will be an agent that reverses those fallenness of the world, those curses that have, be- that have befallen in the, in the world. What he meant was that he would bring blessings of all kinds, all the ways that God's followers would reflect his character. Justice, that his nation would bring justice um, to the world. Mercy, integrity, and love, and patience, and joy, and faithfulness, and kindness, generosity, self-control, and all the ways that would reverse that curse that had befallen the earth. That was why Abraham was chosen. That's why we are chosen. We too are chosen people. After all, just as God was with uh, Abraham, he is with us. 
Actually, more intimately, through the power of the Spirit, we too then are a source of blessing to other people around us. We should be. You know, this is why the Bible is so concerned not only that you know the right things, but you live in the right way in all arenas of your life. Not just that we are uh, good sort of uh, spiritual Christians. You know, in you know, most of the epistles, it talks about how to be a good husband, right? A good wife. What it means for Christ to rule uh, in our life. And how that would change me being a good husband to Mary and to, for all of you. And, and wife and, 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 and vice versa. Christian parenting. Christian parents should bless the children. And children, if they are Christian, also should learn to bless the, the parents by acting in a certain way. Work, no matter what sort of work it is, right, should be transformed because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember Paul's instruction to the slaves of the day? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And as the slaves would uh, work for Christ, don't you think that would then become a blessing to the boss, to the company that, 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 that he works for? That's all because they're worshiping Christ, because they have become Christian. And the bosses would be different kind of bosses because, uh, uh, because, because of their faith. You see, in Christianity, there is no uh, separation between sort of this public and private self. You have to bring your faith into our work with you. That's what we do. And that should make us the kind of workers that bless others in the company, that, ble- that would bless the company. God used Joseph and not only to bring spiritual blessings, to continue that spiritual blessings, but also to bring a common good. Joseph saved a lot of non-Christians, a lot of non-believers. And if we're Christ-like in our success, we will also bring that sort of success, that blessing to other people around us. But, of course, this doesn't mean that everything will be easy, that everything will go well and smoothly for us because of our faith. As many of you know, often successes are accompanied by difficulties. Those who are successful become targets of persecution, especially when your faith is well known. Some people might become envious of your success and try to bring you down. Actually, they, uh, in many cases, might face temptations that you didn't know when you were not successful. In the second scene of our story that starts in the end of verse 6, we see that aspect of Joseph's success as well, as Joseph rose in power in Potiphar's house. He might have attracted attention of many people, unwanted attention, and one of them is that he attracted the attention of Potiphar's wife. Unfortunately, Joseph, we're told, is a very handsome, um, handsome man physically. He had everything, the professional success, he, he was good-looking, and the wife of Potiphar couldn't resist. And her proposition is not subtle here. There's no subtlety, right? Look what, what she says. She says, come, lie with me. That's literally what it says. Come to bed with me, verse 7. And this wasn't just in a maybe, you know, moment of weakness after a long, I don't know, conversation about something. She's completely, she's persistent. She's persistent and deliberate. Look at uh, verse 10. She spoke to Joseph day after day. Day after day. 
And look at what she finally does in verse 11. She waits or maybe even creates this opportunity for them to be alone. And when they're alone, she grabs him. And now, once again, commands him, come, lie with me. And it would have been maybe easy for Joseph to have given in to that temptation. After all, people get away with infidelity all the time. It's a sad thing, but this happens all around us. A 2012 um, study um, found that 13.6% of men in China have committed adultery. 13.6, 4.2% of women. And I suspect that that, actually figure, that figure is probably higher. That also, there are also, I didn't know this, but as I was doing this for this reason, there are also dating sites for married people. Did you know this? This is just absolutely awful. They're, they're dating, site, dating websites for married people. And this one particular site, um, which uh, has a very active Hong Kong base, um, has over 38 million members. Its motto is, life is short, have an affair. In an interview with the Atlantic Monthly Magazine reporter, uh, the CEO of that website um, commented on the success of the site in Hong Kong. He says, in Hong Kong, infidelity seems to be almost culturally accepted, that it is so much part of the culture, that it is around us. We see this happening all around us. And if the people in the modern day with all the connectedness of social media, Facebook, and all those things and could get away with infidelity, how much more? Joseph, who would have known? But as we know, Joseph refused to give in. He uses all sorts of methods uh, to resist these temptations. He, at first, simply resists, verse 8. He says no. And that is a Good, that's a t- temptation strategy, a temptation evasion strategy, number one. Just say no. Whether it's infidelity or any other temptations, just say no. Don't, don't entertain the idea. Don't think about it. Just, just say no. And secondly, Joseph reminds him, um, him and, and part of his wife, the consequences of going through with the temptation, doesn't he? Verse 9. It says, no one is greater in this house, house, house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you, are, uh, because you are his wife. He reminds himself that his boss Potiphar had been very generous to him, uh, withholding nothing from him. And this would break their, the, the trust. He could lose everything. And that too is a good uh, temptation, evasion, or resisting strategies, and to remind of ourselves the consequences of our actions. What would happen? How would infidelity affect our children, our wife, or our friends? Who would it hurt? And not just infidelity, obviously. All the sins that we might consider. Think about the consequences. What kind of person that you are becoming? How it would affect others? But as we saw... Potiphar's wife is not one to take a no for an answer when she throws herself on him. Joseph did the most manly thing, the manliest thing that he could do in the uh, the circumstance. He runs away, verse 12. He runns away. He keeps, uh, we must keep that in mind uh, as well as we fight our temptations, whatever that may be. We often think that we can flirt with temptations, 
we continue spending time with that colleague that we, we are, frankly, we're slightly attracted to because we think that, ah, oh, this would never happen with that person. I would never do it, anything like this. We might daydream about things, cheat on an exam, or whatever it is. We often do this because we think that these things are harmless because we would never go through with it. Well, you know, be wise. Don't think that way. Run away. Don't flirt with temptation. Don't stick around. Take drastic actions of removing yourself from those situations. Run away from those temptations. But obviously, we have to ask, why does Joseph run away? Why is it so important for him that he not, he not give in? Is it simply because he doesn't want to betray the trust of his master? Is it simply because um, he was afraid of the consequences? There is more there, isn't there, in this story. What, would, uh, what Joseph says to Potiphar's wife gives an insight into the real motivation, the real reason why he doesn't want to commit adultery. I think that it's this. That he remembers God. That he remembers that God is the reason for his success. That God is the one who led him to this place. That God has been with him. That God is with him even now in that moment of temptation. He remembers that it would be a wicked thing against God if he did this. That's in verse 9. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Committing adultery just wouldn't harm his master, but it's a wicked sin against God. That's the real reason behind him running away, because he loves God. He's faithful to his Lord. And so should we. Whatever temptation that we face, that is the reason why we resist. Not just because it would harm the people around us, not because it would be bad, but because God is with us and we love this God more than anything else. That's why we resist. That's why we run away. But as we do this, look what happens. Look what happens in the next scene. He's framed as a rapist. He incurs his boss's anger and he's banished to the prison. In verse 20. As fast as, uh, as his rise was, he falls even faster, doesn't he? And there's this idea that we often think that if we do the right thing, then God will bless us. That everything will all, all actually turn out, turn, out, uh, turn out to be right. That God will reward us for our obedience, for making this tough decision. And of course, that is true in the ultimate sense. Theologians talk about this sort of you know, eschatological sense. Eschatologically, the, in the end of days, God will come and God will judge the whole world and he, the, the, things will be righted. People will be punished and people will be rewarded. But until then, in this sinful world, that's not how it always works. In fact, in this world, it might just be the opposite. It's, think about Joseph. Joseph. It's because Joseph did not sin against God. He is condemned. He's thrown into the prison because he did the right thing. And that's how it sometimes works in this world. But here's the comfort. Look who's there in the prison. Verse 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. 
the Lord was with him, and he showed kindness. The NIV translates that as kindness. ESV has a much better translation there. Steadfast love. It's the, 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 the hesed, that uh, Hebrew word hesed. It's that steadfast love. God showed him love. God showed him this steadfast love towards Joseph. He loves him there in the prison. And he becomes success. The same success that he brought uh, to Joseph as he did in, in Potiphar's house. Actually, verses 22 and 23 are almost exactly the same as verses 3 and 4. What happened in the beginning it was what happens at the very end. The warden, like Potiphar, trust, entrusts everything to Joseph because the Lord was with Joseph. The Bible is telling us this wasn't a coincidence, obviously. This is what God had done for Joseph. And that story also hints at God's sovereignty in all of this, that God is guiding Joseph through all of this as well. And it will become clearer in the coming weeks. But look at uh, with whom, besides God, uh, Joseph is uh, in that prison. Verse 20. Who's there? It's the king's prisoners. King's prisoners are there. They're political prisoners. People... Who, uh, who knew the ins and outs of the Egyptian politic, the Potiphar's, uh, uh, not Potiphar, the uh, Pharaoh's court, the highest officials. It doesn't take much imagination to think that Joseph learns all the politics that he needs to learn to be the right-hand man to um, Pharaoh later on. This, of course, was by God's design in all of this. And I hope you see what this means for us, for us. Sometimes you will succeed because of your faith, because you are faithful to Christ, because you are working um, as you would work for Christ in the workplace, because the kind of person that you are, because you follow Christ, you will succeed. People will like you. People, uh, they will be blessed through you. Sometimes that will happen. But other times, we will fail for reasons that are unknown to us. We might even get framed unjustly, and sometimes you might fail because of your faithfulness to Christ. But you see, God is there in all of it, in your successes and in your failures. He is directing us, and he is guiding us. Joseph probably didn't have any clue you know, where he was going, what God was doing, but he was being prepared for the next thing. And to me, it's really interesting that this is, uh, there is this paradox there. Joseph, it's because Joseph is condemned, that moment of condemnation also becomes his moment of salvation, doesn't it? He could have given into the temptation and kept his position at Potiphar's house, but he would have lost God. He would have lost God. And because he honored God and resisted that temptation, he was condemned, but he still had God which is everything that he needed. He was saved. And who knows how the story might have turned out if Joseph had given in to the temptation. Who knows what path that would have taken him. But Joseph did not sin. sin. He was condemned. And therefore, he saved himself. And not just himself. Later on, he will save Egypt. And he will save many, many people who would come to Egypt for that salvation. And that does, I think, I hope, should remind us of another person who, does, who is like this. Joseph, in this way, is a Christ figure, isn't he? He points us to Christ. Christ is tempted in every 
way, every way, but he remained without sin. He had the, every opportunity to take the easy way, easy path, but he didn't. He suffered and remained faithful to God. And although he was the only innocent person who ever lived here on earth, he was condemned. And his condemnation brought him not just to a prison cell, but to the cross and to death. But through his death, he saves many people. He saves all who would come to him. He brings that salvation. God is in all. We live for Christ. And that Christ is with us through the Holy Spirit. And if we continue to live for him, we will become a blessing to many people around us. We will. And if we live for him, we'll have even more reasons to um, resist temptations. But even when things go bad, even in the lowest points, God is with us. God is with us. And as we know and live for him, we'll know that he is with us in the highest points and in the low. Praise God that he is sovereign. Let's pray. Lord, as Joseph lived in Egypt, we too live in this foreign land, this, this earth that is not quite our home. Lord, help us to be faithful to you in all that we do, that we might bring great blessing to those around us. And help us to um, be faithful to you in this foreign land with all its temptations. Help us to be faithful to you. And help us to know that in our ups and downs of this life, as we face difficulties in this life, the low points of our lives, help us to remember that you are with us, that you are sovereign God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.